Hello and welcome to Sons of the Fathers Arc 1 Q&A, Q&A FAQ. I don't know what, I think we're calling it a Q&A. Uh, yes. This is going to be a very informal, less structured, informal, informal's the word, less structured uh, type of recording where we answer fan questions. So without further ado, let's get to some questions. But actually, I do want to, I do want to point out the way that I'm going to be structuring this is at the end of the episode i will be saying who submitted questions and the reason i'm doing that is that we didn't get explicit permission from absolutely everybody to ask questions to give their name on this episode and as such it's just easier if i just ask the questions or we we ask the questions and then um, give the names of people who gave their names at the end uh, if you get what i mean does that make sense to you guys it does it's an end credit back in one sec my dog is being weird <laughs> <laughs> okay but uh, to start off, uh, Paul, if I may take the reins a teeny bit, uh, mm -hmm. someone did ask us, all of us, uh, just an op a good opening question, and we can just do Rob last. Um, how did each of us get into TTRPGs? Just kind of a basic question from a fan. Yeah, that is a good, that is a good starting point. All right, so let's go around the table. I'm going to start with Harley. Harley, how did you get into TTRPGs? Well, it was a dark and stormy night. I looked oh across God. the sea and saw the clouds moving in the breeze. So, uh, when I was uh, about... <laughs> um, I don't remember how old I was. I think I might have been 17. Um, I was living in Miami. and uh, So, it was a couple days ago. A couple days ago. Um, <laughs> I was watching um, a live D&D uh, stream. And I really liked it. And... I for a while I'd I'd been itching to get into D and D. I bought a Dungeon Master manual like months prior, but I just never took the steps. And um, I saw that there was one uh, tabletop gaming store about forty minutes away. And nice. for the next maybe half a year, um, my parents would drive me out, or I would take an Uber or whatever, and um, I would play at this place called uh, I can't remember, but I'll, I'll if I remember I'll tell you guys. But um. The, the library. library. <laughs> no, I got there. It was a tabletop gaming store. And, um, yeah, I just jumped into a game, told them it was my first time playing, and uh, playing D&D. &D, and I haven't stopped right. playing tabletop role-playing games since then. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, let's throw it to Don. I was harassed and pressured into it by a co-worker. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we uh we Get worked right, we we yeah we worked uh near each other uh our, our offices were near each other or whatever and he he knew i was into the geek shit by all my stupid clothes and <laughs> all my uh ridiculous uh references i'd make constantly he's like you should really get into this you'd like it and i'm like yeah that sounds fun uh, for six months, it was every Wednesday he'd harass me. Like to a point, it started to get a little annoying, and I almost uh like burned bridges to get the fuck away from this guy. But I'm like, <laughs> I, I I threw the guy a bone. I don't know if you'll listen to this. Uh, I threw the guy a bone, and I showed up at the local gaming store, and it was um Pathfinder First Edition. I didn't have any characters. I bought my first set of dice that I still use. Um, this was six only six like six years ago. Um played i didn't have a character so i played a pre-generated dwarf gunslinger type and i immediately fell in love but it took me uh forever and it's still taking me some time to uh get comfortable with diving deep into role play the uh the way mm. those guys played was 
very much combat focused. So something yeah, they like would actually beat the shit out of each other. That would require physical activity, and that group <laughs> did not like that. They were okay. kind of shitty towards the end, so I don't mind uh, shaming them a little bit. Uh, but that's how I just got hooked, played every Wednesday until I found a home game, and it spawned all of this nonsense. Nice. If nice, I'm nice, being nice. honest. All right. That first group I played with was yes. very harassy, and I was very young and underage, but mm-hmm. it's fine. Mm-hmm. I st- because then I met really nice people who did treat me like I was underage. And I respected that. And I respected that. You guys, I respect I respect you. the bare minimum, you guys. Cool Stuff, Inc. <laughs> cool Stuff, Inc. God, I want that on a shirt. I respect Ooh. the bare minimum. That's but that's, great. That's that is, the name that of the show. store, by the way. I'd wear it. Necropodicon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I respect the we respect, <laughs> we the, respect bare the bare minimum. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just realized one thing that's going to be in this before I pass this to Rob is a lot more ums and ahs from me. Uh, I usually cut the shit out of those, and anybody who edits podcasts is likely used to that. Yeah. So just there we're, you go. Yeah, we're letting our hair down a bit. We're not under uh, threat of character death at mm. the moment, so. You know, listeners, please forgive us if we speak like normal human beings. Yeah, Don, I need to, I need to correct you there. Um, oh, I am under threat of character death. <laughs> oh no! Um, today is today is my thirtieth birthday. Is it really? Is it oh Wait, dear! Is it actually, dude, happy birthday! Oh, happy, birthday. happy birthday, man! Check, check that out. Um, yeah. Is it bad right, that I thought stuff. you were it's much all older? uphill from here? Yeah. Um, yeah, that uphill decline into well, up is where yeah up, up is where you want to be. Listen, so I, it's I good. think you get an extra uh, education um, improvement check, right? I do. I, I I get an improvement check, and then I lose five points from appearance, dex, or strength. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, it is definitely dex that is going downhill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Rob, how Too did you real. get in? How did you get into TTRPGs? <laughs> Um, I, there was a store in Sydney, um, that, um, was in this big mall that we used to go to, um, when I was a teenager, that was like a curios store. Like it was one of those stores that just had all kinds of weird stuff. Um, it's the kind of store that wouldn't exist nowadays because things like Zing have probably eaten it up. Mm. (laughs) But, um, I used to love going to this store and just looking around at stuff and they had a 3.5 edition player's handbook in there that the art on it was just so cool i was like i want this book and i bought it and i ran some tabletop role-playing games uh this is dungeons and dragons 3.5 for some friends at high school and we lasted for about two sessions before our school's library kicked us out (laughs) because the dice were too loud on the tables um so i then totally gave up on role-playing gaming and never thought about it again for about five years nobody thought to just put down Um, a fucking shirt yep we were 15 we did not have that kind of problem solving which is ironic given what a lot of dungeons and dragons is about wait Um, your table didn't play shirts and skins like the rest of us did (laughs) (laughs) Mm. um and so when i was like maybe like 20 20 late 20 i think um uh, pretty similar to what everyone else has said like a friend was just like hey i think you are the kind of nerd who would like this and dragged me along to um, the local Pathfinder Society. Um, and I played it and immediately was hooked and remembered 
the kind of passion that I had for it when I was 15, but now being able to actually just play it. Mm. Uh, and I went real hard on Pathfinder for a couple of years. And then from there branched out and I've done like a million different systems since and spend a lot of my week <laughs> doing some form of RPG, TTRPG or right. other. So. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Emily? I don't have any cool story. It's just, um, I met my husband and he kept bothering me to play D D with maybe, him. Maybe he didn't have a group of friends to play with at the we time. We tried, um, two-person Pathfinder. That was kind of fun. And then... I moved to Australia, and he found some other people to start a podcast with, and <laughs> he so started I was like, okay, I'll guess I'll try it out. I want to say, like, you say he found some other people. He he more he then just started a podcast network so that he could have friends. This is the Michael Scott version <laughs> of getting married and having a hundred children so that I don't have, so that everybody has to be my friend. Um. <laughs> and now I get to be incompetent in, in games. <laughs> Beautiful. I actually do want to mention you were mentioning um the the two people game. We also we did the um the Pathfinder card game because it doesn't need a GM. Do you remember that? Mm. Yeah. Um, because we only had two people, and so we bought that one. It's like something of the Rune Lords or something. I don't. Rise know. of the Rune I remember Lords. we were yeah, yeah, that's gonna it. do an Adventure Time. Oh yes, campaign. but I just at the time was not a good enough DM to really do a solo game and make it very fun i just was so inexperienced and i had like my character sheet printed out and pinned to the wall for like months yeah. and i was like when's that gonna happen yeah, that's depressing. it never did that's yep Alrighty. so now i'm gonna pass that to paul paul how'd you get into ttrpgs good question me um so i actually was i think i i've talked about this story on an episode that we haven't released of CFL, and it was basically that I, it's it's basically that I was forgotten by my mother. Um, no, so we were visiting, uh, we were visiting my brother-in-law's house, and he had all his family over. They were like super geeks. They all, you know, super into, and I don't say that in a bad way. I'm also super geek, uh, but. They, 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 they wore their geek on their, you know, as a flag. And they were all into World of Warcraft and D&D and all of these things that I didn't have access to yet. I was quite young. And my mother left. She went to go home and it's like a 40 minute drive. And then I was just, I guess, in, in the living room hanging out with all the guys and they were talking geek stuff and I was pretending I was one of the boys <laughs> and then I and then I realized my mother wasn't there, and I was like, "Well, this sucks. Uh, we'll call her, but until she gets back, my brother-in-law was like, "Do you know what T and D is?" I was like, "Not really." <laughs> and the first thing I remember them getting all very excited and huddling around me like a group of predators, right. and they were all very excited to teach me. They were like, "It's a game where you can do anything you want, and like you wanna you wanna just throw the table, you can do it." And they brought out, like, character sheet, and they showed me all the different dice, and, you know, it was this big, exciting thing. And from there, I, I played a few games with them, and then they, it, it was one of the worst tables I've ever played at, which is, you know, just like you were saying, um, Harley, 
there was so much GM waving happening and so much railroading that after that initial game, I was like, you know what I fucking hate? I fucking hate being a player. So I'm going to become my own DM. I'm going to do that my way. And uh, that sort of pushed me to to play TTRPGs, but also be the, the DM, the keeper, the GM. Because I like that. Yeah. I, 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 I've tried playing as a player with Emily's On the Shoulder um, campaign. And it's fun. It's good fun because she's a good DM. But I find it very hard. My character literally had to be a character that I... I went a character path that has the ability to change her voice and look so that I can play multiple characters within the same character. Cause I, I yeah. just, yeah. That's, anyway, um, and that's, and that's how if I, I could, if I yeah. could just give a little anecdote. Yeah, sure. This it's, it's not, I mean, that's not really what well, this episode's about, but well, the other, the a in Q and a typically means anecdote. So anecdote, go for it, Harley. <laughs> so if that was your, that was your launch into, dungeon slash game mastering um i feel like we Mm. all know when we are one because you you kind of got you have that feeling where like you want to be like in control of the game and like be playing all these different Mm. characters for me obviously it was getting the dungeon master manual first without knowing like what i was going to use it for but um at that same store um this guy this like yeah this older dude he was like running a table and he was like hey come over here i was like yeah what's up he's like do you want a GM or DM? And I was like, yeah, of course. You know, I'd been asking that I wanted to, so but I needed training. He's like, okay, great. I have to go. Here's your table. And he left. <laughs> and he left me at a ripe, what was it, 17, I said? At a ripe 17 years old mm-hmm. with a full, I think, five-person table of grown-ass adults who have been playing D&D wow. for years. And I've been playing D&D literally for three days. And... Nice. I DM'd wow. them because he gave it was a it was a like the adventure path was written into the book, um, but every five seconds I'd be mm-hmm. like, "What is um, what does DC mean? <laughs> and do I have to ask you guys for the? Oh, okay, thanks." Um, and it was nerve wracking and horrible, but I guess it was a good slap on the ass to get me into it. Yeah, the uh, what's what's what do they call that um, introduction by Hellfire? Or um, trial by fire. That's it, Travel. <laughs> but I like yours I better. Know. Introduction <laughs> by Hellfire. Introduction by Hell. Introduction by Hellfire. Um, so <laughs> very good. Now, one thing that we do want to do is that Rob, with his birthday and his kid day, and um, dog day, we are going to <laughs> get through questions that are specific to him to begin, and then we'll just round Rob and the rest. But just in case he has to go, let's um, let's do that. Um, I feel like I'm in the hot seat. Let's go. That you are. So, Don, this first one is for you to ask him. Okay. Rob, you're a very talented musician. How much work goes into the scoring of Sons? Oh, um, thank you, anonymous listener. We'll um, name all the, the questions at the end, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, how much work goes into scoring Sons of the Fathers? Um, more than... Um, more than it was worth. I don't know how to answer this. N- no, like, um, more than you would think, but less than you're probably imagining. Uh, nah, that's not a good way of putting it. Like, <laughs> like, ba- <laughs> thank you, Wilder. Next question. Basically, <laughs> basically, I put a lot of work into the upfront of writing some of the songs for this show, and then ever since have been able to just do variants on them. Mm. 
So I put a lot of time into making up original themes for each of the characters in arc one. And um, those then when I needed to score a scene, I would take their particular song and I would expand it. And that doesn't take very much time at all. Once I have the raw bones, like I know the feel of the song um, or the, the, the kind of motifs, it's easy to like copy and paste sections and, and build them out. And so I think the best example of that's probably Hilliard's theme. <laughs> um, his, his, the, 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 the original theme is about two and a half minutes long, maybe. And I managed to turn that into an 11 minute version nice. for episode seven. Yes, it was fantastic. And, and most of it was just copying, pasting and changing like dynamics and things like that. And it felt like it was not boring the whole way through because there was enough ways of using different parts of the mm. song to get across different moods one thing so one thing yeah. i want to uh, quickly add on to this and sort of delve into this just a little bit more is you once talked about the so in the intro which is obviously also done by you there's that you know at the end of it i wanted the blah noise um that that very <laughs> transformers noise yeah is it the zimmer's the zimmer bra yeah could you talk about that like what because I know you've explained it before, but like I thought that would be a reasonably simple process because I don't understand shit. And but you had to like look into how that's made or some or something. Yeah. So so my background in music is pretty varied. Like I'm I'm I think of myself more as a composer and a producer than a skilled player. Mm-hmm. And so that means I've done lots of styles of music, little bits. Um, uh, like I've written scar songs and things like that before for one-off projects. Um, but I haven't done much movie scoring type stuff, or at least I hadn't done much movie scoring stuff before I started doing podcast mm. um, music a couple of years ago. And when you were asking for that track, Paul, you, you, you had this very specific thing you wanted in mind. You wanted this big, like, noise. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you referenced, like, you know, Inception or, like, <laughs> other movies and if you go back and look at the ones the examples you gave all of them were stuff that were done by um Hans Zimmer and it's kind of become this eponymous noise in lots of movie trailers Mm. it's been knocked off a million times since um and I'd never had to do that before and so I did some looking into it and basically the way you make it is like you take like 10 different instruments all hitting the same note at the same time and all of those different instruments blending together hitting that one note is how you get that sound so fucking interesting it's like it's like horns and tubers and synths and strings and lots of different things all hitting at once. And the thing that's hard about doing it right is that if you get the balance wrong, like one would over. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If one overshadows another, it can. Just, so, for example, if the synth is too loud, it just sounds like a synth. Yeah, 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 like yeah. it doesn't sound like the noise. Um, and then you got to so, call the Brotherhood and <laughs> yes. So we so all that, laugh in that, Fallout. Yes, um. that 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 bit of the song probably took about four hours of well, work, nice. whereas the whole outro piano section took about three minutes. Got my money's work. worth. Damn. Um, awesome. <laughs> all right, that's that. Let's move to the next question, Emily. Mm-hmm. This one is for you to ask. Oh, it's me. Oh, I have to ask. I don't get to answer. No, we're, we're dealing with Rob's questions first. Okay. Rob, was it hard to play an insane character? And how difficult was it to act against the party? 
it was not hard with that particular mania um, because all tabletop role-playing is making stuff up. And so if I'm playing a character who's making stuff up, it was just like, I just got to say stuff that wasn't true <laughs> in a different way. Um, and um, I know I have, I have met at least two people who actually have mythomania in real life. Um, one of them, my mother-in-law, a, am I right? No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, one of them, um, was a, a, a partner of a friend of mine, um, for a number of years. And so I've had some experience being with someone and how they kind of, how, what prompts them to tell fair, fabulous stories. Like what, what are the things that they do jump into and what are the things they don't like, how much prompt mm. do they need before suddenly they're saying something that, um, is very clearly not true. So, All right. um, I think if, if you'd given me a different phobia or a different mania off the random table, I might've had to think through a little bit more, but that one was kind of like, it was a fun thing. Um, in terms of acting against the party's interest, I think, um, I think I can, I, I want to interject real quick. I was, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, I think one of the main things is that everybody knew as a player that you had mythomania. If we had done that differently and they as players just didn't know that you had that, <laughs> you mm. would have felt more guilty, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and an interesting thing, um, I don't want to. It was it was really interesting playing with um, with Valeria and how well who she naturally made calm and suspicious of what Misha was saying in a way that like Don and Hilliard didn't, and that made it much easier for me to get to play the character because someone was believing everything he said and someone wasn't, and it didn't feel like I was leading us down a, a um, yeah yeah. Yeah, like it, it, there was it worked a cross out really well in that way. Of believability, and it it, it yeah, really worked exactly. out well. That's yeah, that's a good um, point. And and so if everyone had been buying everything I said, I think it would have been it would be much more guilt. It, I would have felt worse <laughs> to be like making our characters' experiences much worse because I was saying what like that that kind of balanced it out a little bit in Which, a really positive way. I think. In hindsight, I kind of wish I hadn't have let everybody know that you were just bullshitting. Um, no, no, because I think I think I think it. I mean, the other thing is, would it have mattered? Because, like, mm, yeah, I know, I, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, the end of that arc is pretty grim, and I don't think I don't <laughs> think could have got any Misha's worse. lying is what caused us to be in that circumstance. Um, I'm going to disagree a little bit because Ooh. Hilliard was getting over his cowardice. Cowardice, yeah. He was emboldened by your lies about Monroe Station being mm-hmm. the place to go. So, yeah. In I fact, like... I, I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say I, when I was re-listening back to it, one of the main deciding factors that you go to Monroe and not the Moon was your lie about having a mm-hmm. contact there. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Hilliard, yeah, Hilliard was so uh, adamant about having someone competent to go towards. He 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 was all in and uh and and to your point about it would have been uh different had we not known like in the future if you, it would be interesting to play it where we don't know if someone has it but I also feel like we all stayed true to our characters and didn't let our player knowledge mm-hmm. I think we did a good job of not giving up the ghost as far as that 
Yeah, I agree. I do. I just want to quickly. I, I want to quickly point out that uh, Rob, just a minute ago, you said Valeria, and yes, uh, obviously on the show we call her Harley. Harley um, is what she goes by, but Valeria is her real name. Oh yeah, we literally were typing it in the chat, and I was like, I so like I me don't give a shit, but I feel like we've never called me Valeria, so they're gonna be like, who the fuck is that? I have actually in episode like four, I mentioned, oh, okay. it, but sorry for no, it's okay. It's, it's the it's like Voldemort. <laughs> So it's my secret, yeah. sacred name. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> you, were you going to say something um, else there, Rob? Oh, the only thing I was going to say is I think mythomania is just such a unique thing to bring. Like there are other phobias that, I mean, in Call of Cthulhu 7 edition, there's a hundred phobias, a hundred manias. Yep. And like surprising the rest of the players at the table with one of those would be less problem than like deliberately lying all the time like that i think is a player trust thing mm-hmm. so i think everyone knowing as players that i am going to be lying as my character is an important kind of yeah that's a good that's a good thing thought on I the think. dynamic yeah all right and then uh don this one is for you to read to rob not harley oh Har- harley Why me? did i okay harley because i one. did the first one oh, emily i pay attention yeah. So, all right, Holly, this one is for you to read, too. Is it for Carmen or for Val? Or Harley? (laughs) It's for Harley. (laughs) Uh, Rob. I don't know why we keep saying Rob, because clearly they're meant for him. Um, (laughs) How involved was Misha with Athera? Um, More than most, but less than... Others, I again <laughs> not trying to be honest. I'm just, um, um, Misha was not super involved with the Thera directly, but he was really involved with the police. Um, the original character concept that I had, um, when I pitched the character to Paul was a psychologist who spends time, um, his, his, his profession, according to the book, is deprogrammer. And the deprogrammer, the idea is like someone who spends time with, um, cultists and tries to like undo cult Mm -hmm. behavior like tries to undo um programming and the idea that i had was basically he was he worked with the cops and the and he would like he was meant to like try and deprogram radicals who were anti-thera but he actually spent more of his time trying to deprogram pro-theron people like trying to get people against the thera Mm -hmm. so he's meant to feel kind of like that kind of subtle double agent kind of vibe except that he's not a he's not a spy he's not a he's not well equipped he was just a psychologist yeah. um who wanted to be making a difference for humanity um and so when when we spoke about this a bit we sort of had to Paul and I we had a couple of chats but like kind of finding the balance of like how much did he know how much did he work with the police how much was he just actually just an academic most of the time like mm-hmm. yeah um yeah, I think that sort of covers it. And that actually, this is now going to uh, lead me into the next question, which is for everybody, and you kind of just answered it. And that is, uh, so submitted is, I love the character building aspect of these games, but I personally found it really hard to build an interesting, complex character that feels real. Do the players have a set in stone process when making the characters, and are there any real or fictional characters that heavily inspired these amazing characters? Aww. And so, Rob, you more or less just answered that. But I do want to quickly ask, was there any, did you have any inspiration from any um, real or fictional people or was it all just off the, you know, 
Um, yeah, so my mental image of what Misha looks like is um, horn-rimmed glasses from um, uh, the TV show Heroes. Um, uh, throwback. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, I always really liked that character in the first couple of seasons um, because he was so... It was so hard to tell whether he was a good guy or a bad guy because he was so professional. And that was kind of the original idea I had for Misha in terms of him as a psychologist, someone who was having to deal with like a lot of pro-thera people, but being anti-thera. So that kind of influenced how I imagined his look a little bit. And then I kind of aged him up a little bit mentally Um, in terms of his name. um, The first name um, is Mikhail um, and it shortens to Misha. And that's named after um, the guitarist of Periphery, um, Misha. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't even know that until just yeah. now. Yep. Uh, um, otherwise, no. Harley, uh, did you hear the question? Yes. I got it right. right again. What's your okay. answer? Okay. <clears throat> um, found it really hard to build interesting, complex characters. Okay. Uh, my process. Well, we. I remember we uh, we built her together, didn't we? Yeah, I think I worked with all yeah. of you on your characters. So, it, you know, it definitely helped to have someone there to bounce ideas off of, but... um. I like one hundred percent took a fat chunk of inspiration uh, from uh, in Princess Entrapta from Shira, um, because she's got this sort of you know voice. I remember. Yeah. I remember you having to send me videos because I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And you were like, "Oh, you've not let me." Okay, hold on. You're like, "Hold on." You got very indignant about it, and you sent me like six. Uh, YouTube links, and you're like, watch these. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just, I really like her. Um, so the voice definitely, like, sort of stems from that, and, and um, sort of the general, so Princess Entrapped is very, like, uh, passionate about robots and science, and um, mm. obviously I wanted to sort of bring some of that passion. Um, as for looks, I very heavily um, sort of riffed off of... Um, uh, Octavia, I th- I don't know if that's her name, but from uh, the, the animated Spider-Man movie? Oh, Enter the Spider-Verse. Um, <clears throat> the female Dr. Octopus, her whole look with the, like... It's Octavia. Yeah, Octavia, with the big frizzy hair and, and the glasses and kind of like the sweet but also a little bit um, manic, maybe? Manic? Yeah, yeah, a little bit manic. Yeah. Uh, you got it, nail on the head. Uh, but, um... Yeah, so I took big inspiration from them, but also um, sort of a big part of her, which is that she's just actually like a young girl, um, you know, not like mm-hmm. an adult that's got her shit together. Like that part, I, I mostly just fleshed out myself um, and the way that I create characters <laughs> for uh, D&D or like anything is I just, um, yeah, I get I'm. Well, so it helps that you're a creative writer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It helps that I'm a writer yeah. and that. I'm an actor, so I have to create characters for my job anyway, but um, the way that I usually do is I find kind of their emotion, um, like their deep feelings and that kind of thing, and try to understand how they think, and from there, um, it's kind of just easy for me to then play them, because I know what their deep emotion Mm. is. I know that they're not just a jokey character who's kind of crazy and likes science. I know how she, you know, deeply (laughs) feels, and when, yeah. I, I remember a big breakthrough in the character creation process is that in the book, there's a, uh, I think there's like a personality trait thing you can roll mm. on. And you were, you were like, all right, well, let's just, let's just, I, I said to you, we don't have to roll this if you, you know, have an idea in mind. 
And you're like, no, let's just roll and see what it comes up with. And it came up with Gambler. And then and then you were like, okay, yeah, no, that works. I'll be like, you know, gambling about science, like risk-taking for science. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Yeah, perfect. it said Gambler it's, and Risk-Taker. Yeah. And I think I originally yes, yeah, had yeah, been yeah, thinking yeah. like mousy, nervous little girl. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, as we kind of went along the process and then I rolled that, I was like, oh, shit, she's a gambler and a risk taker when it comes to, you know, discovery and science and that kind of thing, which ultimately led to her demise. Like, yes, yeah, scraping but, uh, uh, a certain party member's blood into a vial as yeah. you yeah. try to, as he's... Just yeah. every choice <laughs> every <made>. single <laughs> that choice. So well. Yeah, it, it ultimately uh, yes. led to my death, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, Emily, um, your process and inspirations. Well, originally I had rolled a very different character. <laughs> yes, yes, I forgot about Waddling Wonder. Yeah, she was <laughs> overweight. And uh, heavily, it was like 90 on the... On the... She's more of a brawler. Yes, um, yes. I wasn't really feeling it, so I re-rolled and I got Elsie. Well, the thing was, sorry, I'll cut in real quick. The thing with Waddling Wanda is that her only good thing was her <laughs> brawling. Everything else absolutely sucked. Yeah. And that was amazing. But It yeah. would have been terrible if we had a brawler on our team. How, how fortuitous of you to have <laughs> You're done that. I tease. I completely um, forgot about Wanda. Other than that, I pretty much just play myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, like with the character Elsie, I think we we can't we we were rolling your stats before because you you were you were struggling to come up with what you want to play, and so we rolled the stats, and then uh, you know, and then you were like, well, what could this apply to? And you picked pilot off the list. And that was incredibly... I, I think that was a fun choice. Mm-hmm. Um, what about her look or whatever? Well, I was inspired by, you know, um, World War II era mm-hmm. um, women working on the planes. Oh. That's, that's, that is also... That's completely how I imagine her in my head as well. Same, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really feel you pulled off that character well. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, is there anything else you wanted to say? But like, cause so, so your whole process was more just, let's do the stats and see what we can build from it. Pretty much. Um, I never really worked in the part where she's a big conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yes, this was big. That <laughs> but was... this is something I just do when but, it comes to TTRPGs. But we can, when we do the background episodes for Patreon uh, people, we, we might be able to get a bit more into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's very cool. And Don, uh, Misha, not me. Yeah. Fuck, Haley. It doesn't matter. They're all dead. Um. <laughs> uh, I I approached uh, Hilliard the same way uh, Emily did with Elsie uh, uh, in that I and I do this all the time. I don't really have a character concept, and I build that. I make a character i i don't love dice rolling in D and D specifically because the ability scores are so fickle and i roll so poorly um but with this one i'm like i don't know the system i know the vibe we're going for so i just wanted the dice speak for themselves and then mm-hmm. built off of that and it was this um average squat grumpy little motherfucker that uh i'm like you know what <laughs> 
I I can be all of those things. Um, uh, like I'm and approaching it like that, I was like, okay, I'm just like really gonna lean into all the negative aspects and no, don't even acknowledge any. I don't. I can't remember them now, but <laughs> I I refuse to even like look at what I was good at. I only <laughs> honed in on what he sucked at, and I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to draw on that for the character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was the cowardly lion. Uh, and in fact, that's what your theme song is called by Rob. It mm-hmm. is, yes, and I love it greatly, and I listen to yeah. it weekly it is outside of the know, podcast. Speaking of that, real quickly, I have that in my Spotify playlist, so on the PlayStation when I'm going through. And then one of you know one of those songs will just pop up in the shuffle, uh-huh. and it'll take me a few, like, ten seconds to realize that I'm listening to Sun's music because it's just so fucking good. I'm just, like, vibing to it, and then I'm like, yep. oh, shit, that's, that's our own shit. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've started on the next batch. Oh, nice. very cool! Nice. I'm very excited yeah. about that. Yeah, it won't be ready. It won't be ready in time for the next episode. Is mine just I've an Irish shanty? Nice. I mean, it was It wasn't. It wasn't. But it, it might be. <laughs> no, I literally um, don't give a shit. Your stuff is amazing. Um. All right. So, all right. Um. Next question. Uh. This is for. Rob to read to Harley. Yay. Hey, Hi. um, Harley. Um, I hear that's your name now. <laughs> it is now. Um, <laughs> we we can just um, call so her Varmin. What the fuck? But ba- yeah, it's I'm all writing that down. Valeria, Harley, and Carmen. <laughs> that's why I like it so much. <laughs> yeah, fuck it's, you. It's more like like Varmin. <laughs> anyway, um. <laughs> Um, this is a real peek behind our recording process. You know those those episodes are usually three times as long, and it's just full of this stuff. Um, <laughs> so, Hi. so Harley, um, you were definitely the most animated about your reactions to Correct. horror. Um, was it ever too much? Was it ever too much? Um. Oh, you know what? Um, I am not the biggest fan of gore. So, um, there were two things that really, um, I wouldn't say too much where I, you know, need to like get out of the booth and like lie down and, you know, take a breather, but, uh, enough to like make me like uncomfortable and anxious. Definitely the, the first description of, um, the people with the fucking holes in their cheeks, um, was like, and I'm still thinking about it now. Um, and the, the fucking, (laughs) the monster on top of. Misha, with the teeth, yeah, the, the metal, metal man. man, with the yep. fucking everything was fine. Like the fact that he was all messed up, like that was gross, but it was fine. When he started saying that he was gnashing his teeth so hard that pieces of teeth were landing on you, I was like, <laughs> like, Yikes. oh, it's so, ugh, it's so disgusting. Mm. I hate it. Um, but no, it was, it was never like too much. It just, I just can't stand was, gore was, and that kind of stuff. Do you think it was? An effective strength, not overstrength. Of of gross, it, it it was a good amount. A good amount of gross. Um, I could have. Oh, I'm I'm saying like, mm, I'm saying you're. So you're saying it wasn't too much. There was because obviously it's a horror game, so you expect to be horrid. Um, to be horrid. Would you say there was a, it was an ideal amount that it was made you uncomfortable at times, but not to the point where it was too much? I think I could have gone my whole life 
without hearing pieces of teeth <laughs> landing on him. I think I could have been very comfortable and happy living that way in my life, personally. Um, everything else was wonderful and delightful, and I because I love horror. I think you know, even if I'm scared, I'm like, yes, I, I crave it. Um, but I definitely could have had a very peaceful mm-hmm. existence without uh, having ever heard that line uttered my way. I actually, um, I have a, a, a like a, an add on to that. Uh, there was a bit where in episode three or four, when we're in the skate rink, where we where you had Harley deafened. Uh, while we recorded and then we brought her back do you remember that in the rank um, or in the in the disco and derby or was it no no maybe it the... was no was no it, it was at the it was at the it was at the, was at the yeah. airfield yeah 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 i i remember at the airfield yes. yes my bad yeah i uh so in the airfield harley do you remember uh being deafened and then coming back did you ever listen to that i part? think i did um i just can't i can't remember what happened exactly that that one um, was so. I think for me, there's about four horror moments that really like land, and we've discussed three of them so far. So <laughs> the 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 holes in the cheeks didn't do anything for me. Like that didn't horrify me at all. I went, oh, that's cool. I know people that do that to themselves willingly. <laughs> um, uh, the the um, teeth thing gave me pause, but the thing that Don's talking about, which was that the vines mm-hmm. in the um, the Theron base, that one oh, actually. Oh, didn't they like, go inside my mouth? That. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that that one was a real ah for me. Um, and then the other one, ah. which I didn't. This one is because it crept up on me. I hadn't actually heard that scene in episode thirteen where Don, um, the 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 scarab thing oh, was yeah. trying to like burrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or even if it was, I I wasn't there in the recording for that. I didn't know that happened. I was there for the I was there for the bit where you got <laughs> boned by Elsie <laughs> in the back of her head. Like I was there for that, but I never heard the scarab bit. I didn't know what she was trying to hit on, mm. and um, I wasn't ready for that image in my head of something trying to like part a hairline. Yeah. That oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, yes, the the detail yeah. of parting the hair. Like it made me think of that was all the times I've gotten my hair cut and like that comb going through your hair mm. like it was like yep. now i'm getting chills i mean it's a hot day so i'm kind of glad for it now but <laughs> that that one yeah that one's a that one's a creeper yeah i'm glad i'm glad i so you guys are mentioning all of this every single one of these situations i dialed down because so i wanted the campaign to definitely ramp up in its in its fucked upness and every one of these situations i had something way heavier uh, as the thing and I, I i constantly was like no how do i make this smaller but still effective but yeah and so i'm glad that they still <laughs> hit home in, yes in, in the intended way okay so next question is for uh who wants to ask don a question i'll ask him all right it's I, that one there oh okay don you hmm. mentioned in the show that you don't usually play a coward how did you find doing that? The strangely most exhilarating, freeing character I've ever made, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so used to these games um, being heroic, being the world saver, being the, the person that makes the decision that saves thousands of lives. It was very nice being able to play, run literally run and hide uh, when shit was getting 
uh, real. And it was, it was entertaining for me because it's always like, as a person, I am a bit, uh, cowardly. Uh, I think the record has, well, not in this podcast, so you don't know about that. But, um, like I, as a, as a person, I'm very, I'm quite sedentary. I, you know, everyone likes to think they're going to rise up to the challenge. I don't even want to see the challenge. I don't want to be invited to the party where the challenge happens. So for me, it felt very freeing to not run into literal gunfire rather instead, uh, duck and use, uh, my compatriots uh, distress to hide myself from threat. It felt very, very good. <laughs> in like the worst way possible. <laughs> I remember I remember the the one moment where this all became very apparent and after the game, after the session, you said to me, that was super interesting and fun. And it was between the Disco and Derby and uh Mallard's landing with mm -hmm. the drone fight when yes. you initially made a run for the trees uh, away, mm -hmm. you know, away from everybody else. And that that point it was like, oh, that's this character here. For me, yeah. it was like Holy shit! Okay, yeah, he's not the type to risk his own bacon, mm -hmm. and uh, I yep. loved it. It was so good. It it I'm, added such a complexity. Yeah. Until that point, I was kind of imagining him as uh, the reluctant person dragged into the fight, but he was going to report on it because he's a journalist. But uh, mm. th but then when faced with actual strife, <laughs> he uh, the, he stared at the abyss, <laughs> and the abyss looked back, and he blinked. <laughs> he blinked the fuck out of there. So uh, it felt it felt great. And um, I kind of want to play another coward, but I want to see like how, not in this game particularly, but like I'm looking forward to a chance to play just a craven piece of shit and see just how far <laughs> I can take it. <laughs> I think I found my niche. Uh, nice. All right. We have a question for Emily. I'm going to read it. Ooh, it's me. What headcanon do you have for Elsie and Carmen? And how did they meet? So, Paul and I have different canon for this, <laughs> but I imagine Elsie doesn't really have family in this world, and she met Carmen somehow, and they became friends, and Elsie sees her more as family. Okay. I guess. Well, so the, oh, original, nice. thing we, the original thing we discussed... Uh, back in that, and this is what you say. We have two different canons. I mean, I like your idea. I just don't. I don't think they're. I missed all of that. Uh, don't worry, there wasn't much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the the original the original thing that we discussed is that she's enamored with Harley for a reason because that was what we rolled Go, on the uh, yeah. connections in the in the thing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and no, but like, and it's not like a sexual romantic thing, but there is something there, and. You know, what it is that's there is what we sort of aren't 100% sure on, but you are, you, you get to dictate this. She admires Carmen for her um, intelligence. Her intelligence. And then th that's sort of the feel I got, like, because, so, uh, Elsie was this character that, again, you didn't really play into the conspiracy nut thing in the end. And that's just <laughs> what happens with characters. You end up, you know, with different strengths than you originally thought you would start with, uh, that you started with. And... So, yeah, like, originally uh, the idea, I think, was that uh, Car Carmen is this intelligent, she understands how the world works type thing, whereas uh, Elsie is just sort of, she's good at her job, but she doesn't see the bigger picture, but she respects those who do, and, and Elsie is this 
inspirationally smart not Elsie, Carmen is this inspirationally smart um, individual that that seems to be taking the world in stride. Um, and then as, a pro, as, as we continued on, Elsie sort of, I guess the, what it became more is that, yeah, Elsie is alone in this world. Um, the depression of the character sort of pulled more to the foreground and it became more that she has this close familiarity with, with Carmen as a, as a, a, a stable source of like this is my family and that makes it even so much more depressing when anytime anybody asks like in the episode one where uh hilliard asks is this a friend of yours and elsie <laughs> says we're best friends and carmen says well uh, friends a strong word <laughs> <laughs> and that's so depressing now that you realize that elsie thinks they're well, family carmen just doesn't really have many friends if any she well the only <laughs> friends she really had were um like literally her books and her beetles um <laughs> because uh, to her everyone else was kind of like a, a stepping stone to something so like in the way that uh telling guest hall a waiter would be your stepping stone to getting a drink or getting food you know every interaction <laughs> is uh, I guess transactional in a sense. Does, does that is that the right word? Yeah. yeah. And it's not for yeah, lack no, of of. It's not because she's like, I hate people and they suck and and she's mean or evil. She just doesn't feel very strongly about anything other than science. Oh, so I think we, I think we discussed that she's on the spectrum, right? She yeah, she definitely is. Yeah, and so that sort of uh, encapsulates pretty much every, all of that. And, yeah, and, like, um, the people that are in my life that, um, you know, besides you, that are on the spectrum, um, uh, one of them is kind of the same, where they don't really have feelings about, mm-hmm. or strong feelings about anything, other, uh, specifically with this person, other than their career. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, they just don't feel very strongly about anything. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of, it's like, how I saw... It's yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I saw Carmen, where she's not, you know, she's not mean or anything, Her, she just thinks differently. Um, yeah. and feels differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, being an autistic individual myself, uh, completely understand that. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. What um, I can say is that she did mm-hmm. like Elsie. She enjoyed Elsie's company. I don't know that she ever saw Elsie as like, this is my close friend. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm now going to ask myself two questions, and the reason I'm doing that is. These weren't actually uh, initially uh, submitted for this, but I asked the person if I could uh, ask these on here because they're uh, interesting. But uh, so in a conversation with um, Shannon from uh, Twitter, you might know her as Miss Rogue, Sroby25, we were talking about uh, a few things. And so I phrased these as questions. They are, do you plan to incorporate more NPCs into the game so that you as a GM can act or have a chance to act or play more and is the show future planned heavily um where do you see it going so to answer those as questions on here um in 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 regard to npcs i do have a lot of i literally have about three arcs forward um with pretty strong uh detailed plans now they're not plans in the sense of uh the character's gonna do this and then this. I just have these 
areas of the world where it will take place detailed with lots of characters and lots of events happening that will structure it um when it comes to npcs i specifically avoided playing npcs in this first arc and the reason i did that is i wanted the focus to really be on player character depth and i feel like i feel like we achieved that i feel like it gives the listener a good strength in 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 um confidence that you guys as players are playing your characters really uh really strongly and with a lot of effort and conviction and so going forward i will definitely be bringing in other characters however also i've i've been wanting to get them voiced by several people of the community people that uh, are good friends are good voice actors uh you know so on and so forth so that's going to be super fun i've been working with one a single individual um and it's very exciting and that is um shannon uh who is going to be playing a character in the next arc a side character yeah so and we've been doing a lot of voice work and it's it's super fun that's awesome um, mm-hmm. I... go ahead rob go ahead no you go ahead uh, no, 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 no. I talk too much. You go ahead. I feel like I talk... Whatever. Okay, so in regard to your okay. NPCs... We'll talk at the same yes, time. perfect. So, so <laughs> with, in regards to NPCs, I did notice there were there was no... Uh, what, what's the cute term? Boblin the Goblin? We didn't have a lackey. We didn't have a favorite uh, vendor or whatever. It felt very insular how we were uh, on our own the entire step of the way until it was someone mm-hmm. we didn't want to be around. So, and and I felt that was good where we didn't have the safety net of like, Oh, you know, we, we could only ask ourselves these questions and none of us were really equipped to deal with any of it. <laughs> so it, it gave a, a another layer of uh, uh reality, uh, the world uh, against believability. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I really did enjoy that. And I never even thought to comment on it until today. Huh. Yeah, I was I was going to say the same thing. It it did a really good job of making us feel like four individuals who were isolated on the run. Mm-hmm. The fact that we didn't have other NPCs we could go and talk to. We didn't have... Um, sometimes it didn't even feel like we were running from anyone. We were running from a threat that was so omnipresent, mm-hmm. um, especially while we were still on Earth. We were running from a threat that was so omnipresent that no one could be trusted and that that kind of played into decisions we made and like so um i think you made a good directorial choice in doing that paul um yeah i i I do think it turned out really well the second part of the conversation that i was having with shannon was uh to do with you know planning how far ahead do i plan with this type of thing and i kind of touched on this a second ago but i generally plan where the arc will take place then everybody builds their characters with that in mind so like oh it's happening on earth in this year and this country and build a character uh and then i also generally have plans for events that are happening and events that will affect these characters and so on so i have about as i said i think i have the next three arcs i have major detailed plans for the places the peoples the the events and the influences but as far as it goes to like planning how the players are actually going to do it, I can have some very vague, as an example, with Shannon's character, her character is recorded in post. And as such, I record 
several conversation trees that I can uh, um, somewhat foresee happening, but I don't know exactly how you guys will will actually navigate that. And so I will have to do some... Uh, during the show, I'll have to answer as her and then just get her to take the lines and, and, and edit it in post. Um, a little bit of the, the how the sausage is made there. Um, but yeah, so that's that's about my level of planning. I, I, I very much like to let, and just absolutely no railroading, like let the players make the, whatever decision they want, for better or for worse. Actually, one thing I was talking about with Emily last night was the reason I really love Call of Cthulhu as a GM is that I don't have to monitor the bullshit because the game will. Like, if you guys want to do something silly, you damn well can, and you'll die. Um, in D&D, it, uh, GMs a lot of the time sort of have to, if you want to have a serious game, you really have to monitor the input because it can get very silly and it's very hard for those players to actually feel super consequences from it. The, the GM has to implement those consequences themselves and try to, uh, try to monitor that. Whereas Call of Cthulhu is a system that will punish the players itself um and i just have to play by the rules <laughs> it does a really good job of setting um the stakes in the sense that like because we all have our own stats on our own sheets that show our d like in dnd terms it'd be our dc what do we need to roll to beat mm-hmm. and in dnd you don't know that you roll and take a chance mm-hmm. but in in um cthulhu because every stat is on your sheet you know what your chance of succeeding at something are you know you can push it for a better chance <laughs> but know that that comes with the risk of something bad will happen like mm-hmm. all of those variables mean that especially when we're trying to play a serious game it's easier for us to look at something and go oh well my character is going to try and take that shot even though he's bad at shooting mm-hmm. because he has to versus oh my character's got a five in uh I don't know, jump. Mm. Of course he's not going to jump off that ledge. Like, he knows he can't jump. Mm. Like, so, you know, like... Yeah, it, it adds it kind player of... accountability, and that's... And I'm not saying that in other games, oh, players are just reckless. No. I'm just saying, for me, as a GM specifically, I like that this system allows me to focus on other things instead of trying to curtail that and be like, no, you guys can do absolutely anything you want. You have complete free reign. Um... If you do do stupid things, you probably will die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, And so the same thing from the player side. Like, we have an easier... I have an easier time playing this system than some other systems of knowing... Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, with, like, whether to take a punt on a risk is a much easier kind of role-playing decision because I can weigh up the mechanical effects much more clearly. Mm, it's very interesting. Um, mm. Okay, who wants to... In terms of, In terms of the show being planned heavily, can I just talk... Can I allude to the, what was going to be Arc 2 and then wasn't Arc 2? Uh, no, because that's still going. Oh, because that might be a future one. Okay, that's yep. fine. Well, then all I'll say about that, all I'll say about that on recording is like, we um, we record quite far in advance. I don't know how far in advance some shows do, but I know that when episode four came out for listeners, we had just finished recording this arc. <laughs> so that's months and months ahead. <laughs> yep. Um, which you know, it means that we've had a lot of time before doing arc two to think through where we wanted to go next with the story. Mm. And I think you as listeners are going to really enjoy it because we definitely are so far. Oh God. It's, it's, it's great. I cannot wait. Um, who wants to ask Emily a question? Sure. And there it is. Hey, Emily. Yes. 
Was there any lingering malice towards Hilliard to the way he spoke to Elsie? <laughs> and also, related to that, was his death premeditated? <laughs> yes, Emily. Emily, please. No, there wasn't any malice towards <laughs> Hilliard. Um, and his death wasn't premeditated. I think Elsie was just panicking. And I, as a player, was panicking, <laughs> and that that's why Hilliard died. And I'm going to take that as a compliment because when you can make the when you can make the the player panic on their decision, that's mm-hmm. there we go. Yeah, <laughs> she she genuinely wanted to help him. Nice. Oh. Um, but she, because I mean, I Pr- guess that question is probably coming from the direction of that you pushed the role that. You know, you had a failure that wasn't going to kill him, yeah. and then you pushed it, and the push failure is what sealed his fate. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. well, I was panicking. <laughs> God bless well, you. Well, okay, I kind of want to add something onto that. Did you, Emily, did you feel panic about killing one of my, killing my character, or was it killing any character? Was it, did you feel Ooh, like uh, there was going to be any, like, like I can literally not affect your life in any way. So like, was there any fear of upsetting me, Don, for you killing Hilliard? Was there any? Did you feel any of that? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I ask is I had uh I had a uh not in a recording podcast at all, but I I inadvertently uh GM'd a session where someone died and one person called me on discord sobbing that they felt responsible. They begged, uh, you know, whatever penalty, what was it? Uh, they were going, they were going to like give up their life force to have enough. It was a D and D game to have enough. What's what's whatever red regeneration or, um, uh, reincarnation was like, they called me sobbing and I've never really dealt with that. I've never really dealt with much character death. Cause I've only been playing this a couple years. It's always been pretty low stakes, so it just it just popped in my head because like this happened to me like two days ago. They were just a a literal mess. So I'm always kind of curious how people feel going it's in. Sweet, <laughs> kind of. But mean... I'm like, I was just waking up, and I'm like, I did not have the I didn't have the uh, the sugar in my brain to process <laughs> their emotions. And I'm like, mm-hmm. just give me. So I was just curious, like how. And I guess that for anyone else, if you if your character has killed another player character. Uh, like what sort of uh, so what's that, that, that's like? This question wasn't asked, but I will relegate. I will. I will bring this to Carmen. Uh, Hi, Carmen's. Um, actually, no. I guess it's more Misha. Misha's actions are what led to the metal man eviscerating them. All he did um, was walk outside. Well, I mean, I guess both of you. Yeah, he didn't. I guess both of you. Well, he did walk outside, but then it's his failed roles that. Um, you know, pissed it off, and 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 all of that, and his then failed you... roles specifically pissed it off. Actually, I guess it was kind of common as well because you stayed in the room to investigate it instead of, you know, just fucking we, running. I think, I think, I think that Misha and Carmen both got what was coming to them. <laughs> hey, in in the in the sense in the sense that we didn't run. Mm-hmm. We both oh, we oh, both actually, tried to, to engage. I know, but actually, I want to point out, Carmen actually failed her 
uh, I think she crit failed her reaction check to it or something or other, and she was frozen in place. She couldn't react. But then, but then she tried to shoot it when she came back to her senses yes. instead of just she, she, getting she, she, out. I'm a gambler and a risk taker. She specifically took five steps away instead of just fucking booking it. I was um, a gambler yeah. and a risk taker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. Um, now, now I want to. I want to reverse just a little bit. So we got this question for Don, and um, this relates to what you guys are talking about, Don, um, with Hilliard and Elsie. Uh, Don, if the roles were reversed, would Hilliard have done anything different from what Elsie did to him? As in, in trying to remove it, do you think you would have pushed that check? Do you think... You uh, know, if Don would have definitely pushed the check. Uh, Hilliard, in the position of there's something on her... Uh, I think he would have shouted it from the other side of the room. Uh, first of all, just <laughs> not... <laughs> Like from from uh from the behind the bed or under the bed again, I think Hilliard would have been would have quickly made distance as he told Elsie that there was a mm. bug on her. Mm. But but as far as everything else, it would have <laughs> maybe he he might not have hit as strong because he's just a frail little uh, uh old older fella. So you know maybe roles reverse. Elsie would have been fine. She would have been pissed off. That she had a a, a flashlight uh, shaped bruise on her uh, back of her head, but I don't think Hilliard had enough uh, strength in him. And also, Elsie was at much higher HP than Hilliard was at the time, so he was. Well, I, I guess that can't counts as if the roles were reversed. That... Yeah. Ro- okay, so roles were reversed. I still think I looked at his stats uh, a couple weeks ago when I was looking to build this next character, and I I didn't realize just how frail and weak Hilliard actually was (laughs) I don't have the sheet up in front of me right now but it's like it's embarrassing like why didn't I try to make a better character I think uh, roles reversed he would have just done it a very uh, shitty way okay very cool as opposed Um, to the not shitty way that Elsie did by killing you (laughs) I I remember there is every yeah there's every chance in the world like that should have been just fine and you know, just got the the scarab. But mm. I remember was... the line that I that I said in that um, Hilliard, you feel uh, something hitting you with the strength of a titan, and <laughs> that line always <laughs> sticks with me. As it's just such a heavy blow that 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 it's amazing. All right, I am. Um, I have a fun question, kind of foreshadowing the next arc. So, without saying any character names. Um, this is an open question to everyone, including Paul, I guess. Um, oh. wh- whose player character do you think is most likely to be the death of another player's character? Oh, I know, I know arc? mine. Here Harley? I go. I'm going for it. Har- okay, go ahead. Yeah, go. Oh, without without names. Uh, without names. Rob, Rob, your character, character will be the death of my character. Oh. <laughs> You know, it's really funny because Harley, your character is definitely going to be the death of my character. That's what I felt too. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly Either way, felt like... that as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be one of the yes. both of them. We'll fight to the death. Battle royale. Be a I think of I one. think there's potential that my character will be the cause of death for everyone else. Oh, there is actually good potential for that for um, yeah. certain reasons. Um, yep. Oh, that could be true. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know, yeah. I think I, mean, I think in this 
Don's character is the least likely to end up being the reason for anyone dying. And that's interesting. I also I also will call it now, I think Don's character is the most likely to survive. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess I, I guess I agree with that, yeah. You'll have All to right. find I feel like I would out. have good mm-hmm. I was, you'll just have to wait and find out. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. I would have, have good to. survivability if Rob's character wasn't in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're playing Survivor, we just need <laughs> Right. Rob off uh, the show. This question is to me. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> shut up. Are you going to tie the Discord Call of Cthulhu side game with the Sons of the Fathers universe? And I originally wasn't going to, but now I am. And so the I started running a, a Call of Cthulhu game for fans and followers in the Necropodicon Discord. So if you want to come along to that, either listen or play, uh, come along to that. Basically, that story is being uh, set in the year 2030, before and during those events. And so... Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. But we will be doing uh, on-the-show uh, version of um, other characters in other places during that time to tell a story of that as well. And that'll be for the Patreon content. By the way, we don't have a Patreon up just yet, and it'll probably be a while until we do, but... You know, it'll be something we eventually do. We um we we've chatted about it a few times, and in the same way as this show, we build a big backlog and we take our time, and we've tried to really make this a highly produced mm-hmm. show. I think we're trying to make sure that when we do a Patreon, we're making it a highly produced, yeah, value for money kind of thing. I so, I never want to um, ask for money for anything that isn't worth the money that you know. What I mean, like. I I don't I don't want to come across as uh, I don't want to be trying to sell people shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I want something that is worth supporting, and uh and you know and I know that all of you agree as well. And so taking our time is 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 important. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as well. Just when we last spoke about it, we had some really big plans, and so making sure that we're able to do those plans mm-hmm. in terms of like having the time and the energy to commit into it is something we want to make sure we do before we jump in. Definitely. So to answer the um, question as a whole, uh, we will be delving into a lot of a in the normal podcast and then B also on the Patreon sort of the lore and events and so on with the next arc, I can say, and uh, without giving spoilers, but I can uh, tease that there will be a lot of, uh, you know, history of the world sort of learnt and so on. So, there you go. Um, the last question that was specific to me, and I'm going to ask that just to get my own one out of the way, is... I lost it. <laughs> okay. Were there any challenges that went into creating this campaign, and how did you work them out? The only main... The main challenge for me... So, I, I, I had planned this campaign and setting for about two years before I even asked anybody... Before I even started working on it being a podcast and asking anybody to come along and play the game with me. Um, And so one of the main challenges was centralizing or bringing, you know, bringing the focus to a single set of four people to begin the fucking story. That was very difficult for me because I had this vast universe, many different races with different politics and and, and all of this, and I, I I had spent a long time creating this, and then 
to have to bring it to a relatable story that could be told by four characters. I had to bring the scope right the fuck down. <laughs> and and that and even so, even by the end of Arc One, that scope hasn't expanded very much. And in the background, outside of the vision of the camera, in my mind, there's just so much more happening. And having to keep it focused and slowly expand it has been my greatest challenge, I think. Because there's so many stories I want to tell, so much information I want to do. But it, you know, I want it to be a natural progression. And it also has to be things that you guys actually do. I never want to force it, per se. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it comes to how did I, how did I, you know, deal with that, how did I work that out? It just came down to talking to the players before we started and saying, hey, what do you guys like want to like each character that I built with you guys was a lot of like, what do you want to play? How do you where do you see your character in this world? And then, you know, and then I just sort of built off of that. OK, this is how we're going to enter the Sons of the Father story uh, based on these four individuals. And uh, I think it, I, I think it really turned out well in that regard. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have, we have two more questions. Two more questions. One of them is for Emily. Whoa. And I'm going to post it. Who wants to ask Emily a question? I'll do it. Not me. I'll do it. She says almost reluctantly. Brave. I'm tired. Here you go. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, very fitting. <clears throat> Emily. Yes? Any feelings of betrayal towards Carmen for not sticking with Elsie? Um, poetic. As Elsie, I feel like in the moment she wouldn't have had time to even think about that because she was busy killing Hilliard. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a player, I mean, I feel like the entire party shouldn't have split up in the first place, <laughs> but 2020. <laughs> yeah. So do you think there's no real betrayal feelings? No. No. I mean, I guess... Do you think then that Elsie sort of sees Carmen as somebody who would do that anyway? So she like go and investigate the monster, you know? Yeah, because she loves her science. Yeah. And so like the thing that sort of led to the death was the thing you loved about what well, Elsie loved about her anyway. Yeah. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then the last question is for Harley, and who wants to ask the question to Harley? I can. Okay. <laughs> is it any feelings of betrayal towards Elsie <laughs> for not using the flashlight on the metal man? <laughs> All right, um, that's it. Harley. Hi. What was Carmen working on before all this happened? Oh. Okay. Howdy do. Um, I feel like just based on the stuff I had and sort of, you know, my locations and that kind of thing, um, whatever she was doing at Tilling Guest was probably some sort of little pet project. 
I think her main thing that maybe she might have been working on was sort of this studying the uh, the Beatles and that sort of phosphorescent uh, like moss that was growing in the mm. in the in the, the um and and the yeah 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 the chandelier the disco and derby and um, obviously Beetlejuice was like her favorite so I think probably seeing like why these beetles are so different and strange and like how they react to to different substances. She's a biologist, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, So like, I think that ties in a little bit to like how she would collect blood samples from the boys and, uh, (laughs) and from the Thera and, uh, cause Mm. she's, she's all about like seeing how these different things react that she hasn't seen before, you know? And, and, um, to her, it was kind of fascinating when, uh, she assumed that Beetlejuice was inside this canister, but like would get it closer to the blood and was like, "Oh, that's interesting," um, kind of thing. So I think what she might have been working on, which wasn't like a, this big, huge, life-changing project, but like just in the moment, was like studying um, her beetles and their growth, and as well as the uh, the plants at the Disco and Derby. Nice. Yeah. Well, that is all of our questions. I want to can thank- we not ask each other questions oh if you want is there anything either any of you want to ask me or each other um before we don do you have any feelings of betrayal <laughs> towards <laughs> elsie or uh hilliard no i mean uh, you know he was he wanted you to get the bug off of him you and you did you did <laughs> Like, like on some level, he, you know, the the strength that you use, like, wow, you know, that split second before he lost feelings to his lower extremities must have been, wow, she hit this thing so hard to get it off me so good. She must have really wanted to help before death embraced him. The, the bug no, is no. now no risk to Hilliard at all. <laughs> In fact, nothing is a risk to him. This was the perfect thing to do. Yeah. No, I think though, if he had survived, he would have been a a, a crybaby. Uh, you know, he's got to be dehydrated from all the tears he's shed over uh, uh, just <laughs> crying over the hand, crying over the ear. Um, just, I think he would have <laughs> had he survived the blow. Had it just been a failure and you knocked him, clubbed him unconscious. He would have been pissy about it, but I think he would have uh, been at like, I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. Whatever the hell that means for the next two hours. Oh, I have we one did... last question. Okay, yep. Oh, wait, no. Did we get another question? I've, I've, got, a, I've got a good one to end on. So if everyone else have other uh, questions. I've got one question with. to ask. So Carmen, you do yours. I'll do mine. And then Rob. Rob. Do you have any feelings yes. of betrayal towards Paul? <laughs> um, no, I don't have any feelings towards Paul uh, in terms of... I think Misha did exactly what Misha was always going to do. And so um, him dying just makes sense. Um, like someone, someone in the Discord, this is like oh, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, said... They really liked Misha and the way that he analyzed things yeah. analytically and thought things through, and they really enjoyed the character because it felt similar to how they view the world. And it was it was cool hearing that, but it was also horrible hearing that, knowing 
then Misha was already dead <laughs> when they said that. Um, <laughs> because because the thing with Misha is he was very analytical, but as soon as you put him into a high pressure situation, um, he made bad choices, but executed them well. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many, every example of Misha doing things that went poorly is because he made a bad choice and then made a good thing out of a bad choice, basically. Um, like example is like, I think from memory he tumbles when we were at the, um, the roller derby, mm. like he like sets up to shoot and then falls out, like all kinds of mm. just really like he was not, he's not the secret agent he thought he was. <laughs> um, so, so in that sense, I have no sense of betrayal to Paul. Cause I think you did a really good job of just keep setting me up for Misha to, I feel like Misha felt like he succeeded a lot, but you kept giving me opportunities for him to not succeed, and that was perfect and exactly what what we needed as a cast and as a group of players. So. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you don't hate me. Um, my my last question here is um, to everybody: What is was your favorite moment of the arc? Uh, Emily, you go first. Oh, why do I have to go first? Don, you go first. <laughs> my favorite one was. Um... <laughs> Back when there was a promise of a nice, uh, interesting... This is from Don's standpoint, not Misha's at all. Uh, when when Hilliard goes... Ar- Certainly not from Misha's. <laughs> or, uh, Hilliard, sorry. I was looking at your name. Uh, so that, that moment where Hilliard's like, oh, I'm going to go uh, call my friend Misha and we're going to you know <laughs> take care of this thing. And I got... I, Paul gave me kudos in one of the only times I've ever gotten a compliment from him. <laughs> where uh, I I detail that Hilliard is going to be smart and walk the long way back to Tillingast Hall, yes. To, so as not to, and I was like, oh, I'm so like I'm so sneaky. I'm a I'm a detective, and and yeah. oh boy, did the game turn out to be something entirely different. So, I very uh, much I remember <laughs> that when you were saying, oh, I'm going to go the other way around. I was like, oh, yeah. that is good. And then also, uh, actually, just before that, the reason I was I was already in the mood of complimenting you because you did the. Uh, the fake names without even telling me you were gonna oh, do it you yeah. were just like uh oh sam hello and i was like oh snap yeah that's we're going we're on secret agent here i like this yeah uh, so that was that was very cool. okay <laughs> nice. uh harley you're up hi i'm harley and i play um <laughs> i i think my favorite moment was a very quiet moment and it was very long um it's when we first enter the Disco and Derby, and I put my skates on, and I'm just kind of skating around, and I think I I fall over because you had me roll or something. Or I think I just mm. said that I fell over, and I was like, I'm you okay, did. and then, yeah, and then um, Don was like, or uh, Hilliard was looking for supplies, and oh, I yeah. think someone else was investigating my Beatles, and it was just kind of this really nice calm before the storm we because were just that was all the in first this... moment of rest. Yeah, was, we were all yeah. just in this like really cool because you described it really well too, and like the image was really cool in my head. And um, we were like in this cool sort of secret grove almost, um, together as a team and just kind of still relaxing. And then before you know everything, like all the shit hit the fan. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that was my favorite moment because it just felt it felt really nice and grounded and and personal to me. Nice, uh, Rob, you're up. Um, I have two. One of them um, is one that I don't think got highlighted in the show, but role playing it felt really good. 
Um, that was the moment when Misha was talking to Hilliard and said, I need you to be okay before he headed off um, oh. to hunt down the monster. Mm. And that felt really good because I was absolutely trying to play up the Mythomania aspect <laughs> of of Misha overemphasizing how much he cared. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny because I've had one or two people being like, was there a thing there? Like, was Misha into <laughs> Hilliard? And I'm like, no, 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 no. no. It was a I've seen some <laughs> shipping. <laughs> I've seen some shipping in the yeah, chats. I'm, yes, I... <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, um, but that was that was a fun moment because I think um, Don, you played that really well. Like I, mm. I meant it to be a throwaway line, and then it turned into a conversation. So I really enjoyed yeah, that. that. Um, so that was a really fantastic moment. And then the other one was um, my genuine surprise when Misha lost his leg and got the metal one. <laughs> um, there, there. Um, a bit of behind the curtains. Um, I, I sometimes have to redub my lines in the show because my audio quality can be really impacted if I have dogs or Teddy or like, I don't have a very acoustically treated space. So um, some, maybe one, <laughs> I was maybe one in two episodes has me redubbing some of, some of, if not all of my lines in post. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes, um, it's really hard to get the energy that I actually had when I role-played. And that was one of those scenes when we were role-playing it where um, I rem- I listened back to my audio and I can hear me, Rob, really being in character. And it was really hard to try and mirror that energy when it wasn't spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the, the line where Misha says something like, um, I feel powerful about the new metal legs. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that I had so much fun playing I love that scene. The following line, which comes from Carmen, um, which she's like, "Yeah, I knew he'd be on board." Um, I I absolutely love that she's digging this cyborg sort of Misha <laughs> and super happy because she thinks he's super happy about it, um, <laughs> and that's 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 excellent. It's like the most badass yeah, like- thing in the world to her. I love I love playing scenes where um and like I'm sure we'll have these in the future. I love scenes where I get to stop um I do, I Rob don't have to think through what I'm about to say. I can just say mm. like really be improving sentences as I'm saying them because they're often where I surprise myself and that was one of those ones where like half the things I said in that scene and the first bits of the mythomania I was I I would start a sentence and not know where I was going with it and that was a lot of fun. Mm. So that was one of my favorite That's moments. That's great. Um, Emily. I think one of my favorite moments was when we first got to Monroe Station and just the mystery surrounding the station, you know, like the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 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 Just that general spookiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I so I that kind of goes to sort of two of my I have two or three, fa- I have a lot of favorite moments, but I'll just mention uh, one or two. One, uh, definitely the uh, the writing on the wall part, and just actually that hallway in general, The there's the, the photos on the wall that are weird, the fact that there's the shag carpet and wooden wall, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and fancy wallpapered walls and um, gold trimmed stuff. And, you know, as you step into the space station, that's such a weird... I, I, I honestly, I mean, I know I'm complimenting myself here, but I was really proud of how that scene 
and everything sort of unfolded because I really liked the setting that I had created. Um, the other, my other, my, my, my other main two, uh, favorite moments. One is actually Elsie's flashback in the, uh, the flashback episode. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons it's one of my favorites is because we actually did that scene twice because the original one we did, we did it and it was just shit. Um, (laughs) and we listened to it and I was like, this is boring. This is shit. Um, what are we, what? Uh, Because it was just Emily and I doing it. And so I was like, no, we, let's, let's redo this. Um, If you want to do things the same, you can, or you can make different decisions, but you know, let's just redo it. And then when we redid it, it just felt right. I was like, oh, that, that's golden. And really brings this Elsie has, has been through some shit type uh, uh, feeling to it. I really liked that. Um, and then there's also the my my favorite when it comes to just reactional moments of act no, acting, but also when it hit that Carmen was dead, when Harley reacts with a heart wrenching fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I really like that. Um, that's why I ended episode thirteen with her just saying fuck. Um, yeah, I re- I listened back to it and I was like, "Holy shit, that wasn't acting." No, Ooh. yeah, exactly. There was a Ooh. genuine reaction, and yeah. I really liked it. I felt it because it was like, "Yeah, you know, a character you were really into just got fucking sliced." And another reason that whole scene is one of my favorites is because I I honestly expected Carmen to escape that. I, in my opinion, Misha had a fifty fifty chance of escaping. I thought Carmen was maybe an 80-20 chance because she would... I thought, you know, she's she's going to realize this is too shitty a situation. She's going to get out of there. But then he, the metal man, crit uh, perfectly hitting you for max damage. Mm-hmm. And that max damage for him is just obliteration. That, for me, hit me hard because I, I didn't see that. Like, Hilliard's death? was the least surprising to everybody i think because for the for the first for the for the few episodes pr- prior to that he he was on a very heavy down spiral um he was gonna die falling downstairs if nothing else um, no and the whole like wrong. getting up and stabbing his eye in the fucking drawer and like was- stabbing his eye and stabbing his ear and it he was just he wasn't doing well um and so nobody was terribly surprised when that happened um but when Misha went down, I was like, all right, I kind of kind of foresaw this. This is the consequences. But then when when Carmen also went down, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, shit. Um, she just got obliterated. Well, yeah, and we've talked about it, that it's a pretty horrifying way for like a, I think I said she was 17 or 18. Like a, yeah, she, or, she or, got literally. I might have said she was 19 or something. But yeah, it's like a really horrible way for a young girl to, to die. Like so excited about science and stuff. It have a chest sliced in half, and um, yeah, just just. I think the way you described it was that it ripped out my chest. Um, yeah, oh, it sliced across, ripping her in half. Yeah, Um, great. And yeah, and it's just horrific. That that was my favorite moment, I think, of all. (laughs) The my reaction, you mean, not the fact that Carmen died. The whole situation, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Don, you, uh, I think you had a last question. Yep. Emily, what is Elsie's next move? 
I don't know yet. I mean, I guess she's just gonna have to survive. <laughs> <laughs> well, she like, doesn't know about the Meadow Man yet. I remember, um, yeah, it's true, but she heard the the roar. She heard the yeah. roar. She heard the gunshot. And I remember when when that episode was done recording, Don, you posted that gif of um Ripley in the suit, the, oh, yep. the robot suit. Mm-hmm. So Is that is that the plan? I'll probably try and do something <laughs> like that. Is Elsie the pilot going to turn the ship into a mech warrior suit? Oh my god. Because Maybe. uh the plan the plan was Hilliard and Elsie were tired of waiting. They heard they heard commotion, and we were just going to wait on the ship for them. Yeah, is that, is that, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. It can be whatever, no, whatever thing, you think. Originally, I was thinking maybe I should just blow up the entire station. Mm-hmm. So, just as a as a thing, um, I want to say Elsie's story is not finished. We're not finished with Elsie. So also Misha's alive, and and that is actually true. Misha is also technically alive at the end of that episode, uh, and the metal man thing. had had completely lost interest in him. So rude. We will see how that uh, <laughs> how that unfolds. Great. And I want to thank uh, all of you guys for this for for sitting through this extra long episode. Um, I want to thank you guys for allowing me to not have to edit this terribly much. Um. <laughs> I also want to thank the people uh, who submitted questions. Again, as I said at the start, some, um, qu- about half of the people who submitted questions didn't give us explicit permission to name them. So if you do want your name included in the description of the episode, just send it to me and I will edit it into the description. Uh, for the people who we do have permission to call out, um, Kevin from at Cold Shots Ent, um, E-N-T at the end there. Um, we have Bemia. Is that how you say that? Bemia people? B e b e m i a, Bemia Bemia. Um, from from the from the Necropodic on Discord. That's where they asked that. We've got uh, Jared from at Indie Film Pod. Uh, it's, we have it's pronounced Jared. Jared, sorry, Jared. <laughs> um, we have Chael from at Chael underscore not a mimic. We have Shannon uh, at s roby twenty five, um, and everybody else of which there was about six others that uh we don't have explicit permission to name uh thank you everybody for listening thank you follow us on twitter for supporting us <laughs> uh yep. if everybody wants to give their twitter handles to sign out um you can follow me at actually i don't have a personal twitter so i if you want to talk to me just go to the uh the sun's twitter at sotf pod or go to the network Discord, which if you go to necropodicon.com, you can click the join the Discord button and uh, and in you go. Um, Emily. I'm at Millie Parnell. That's M-I-L-L-Y-P-A-R-N-E-L-L. Thank you. <laughs> Rob. You can find me on Twitter at Potentially Rob, and you can find music from the show on Spotify under Taxark or by searching for Sons of the Fathers soundtrack. Uh, Don. Uh Don Bewley, D-O-N-B-U-L-E-Y. On every social media, I get pretty inane on the Twitters. So hit us up. We can chat more about the series there. And Holly. Hi. I'm more active on Instagram, but my Twitter is at Elvis Badger. 
And my Instagram is Valeria Rodriguez VO. Yep, 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 yep. And we are all on the Necropoticon Discord if you just want to have a, you know, well, actually, Carmen's on less than the rest of us. <laughs> I am very elusive. I am like a cryptid. If you catch me, you get a secret prize. Yeah, no. But no, but I kid. We are all there and you can come chat with us. Come uh, say hello. Come say hello. And it is. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, don't chat to us. I like talking. <laughs> All right, Necropoticon, easy to listen, hard to pronounce. Necropoticon, uh, we respect the bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs>